Welcome to the Film Hole Podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Raul. I'm a filmmaker, kind of. And I'm a mad scientist. Every week we watch a movie. And then we talk about it. And this week we watched Horse Girl. Well, you watched. Well, yeah. Yeah. We watched Horse Girl separately, unrelated. This is a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Bonus number two. First was Tiger King, now we're here at Horse Girl. Mm-hmm. I actually saw the trailer for Horse Girl like a month ago or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've talked about this before, the Netflix content that's out there. It's really hard to decipher what's treasure and what's trash. Mm-hmm. Just because there's so many people making content now with a very wide range of well-known actors and it could be just as bad as anything else out there. So this trailer just looked like a normal like kind of thriller with some sort of someone going psychotic mixed in there just looked like a normal like scary netflix movie and i was like not in- right not interested it doesn't help that i'm i'm like 90 percent sure that netflix automatically generates their trailers for some of their original content <laughs> yeah. you know that they do that that like depending on who you are what like you already know that the cover art they put on top of the movies as you're browsing through yeah. is selected kind of based on your personal preferences. I didn't know it was, it did that. I knew it was like dynamic, but I didn't know it was like based on my data. They will actually like go through based on your data and take a still shot from the movie and then present that to you. Really? Huh? Yeah. So it's crazy. So I'm pretty sure they do a similar thing to make like automatically generated montages. Okay. Of movies, I don't think that's what's happening in this case, but the trailer is like a pretty canned, nothing crazy going on. Yeah. All this to say that I did not watch this movie at first because I thought it was going to be dumb. And then you had mentioned it in a separate conversation just in passing and you drop like David Lynch's name. This movie's not directed by David Lynch, but mm-hmm. has some Lynchian things going on in there. Right, because it is a crazy movie, and I just wanted to communicate to you that I was in your mindset initially. Yeah. Before I watched it, like I thought it would be a cool movie to watch with my partner, uh, directed by Allison Brie. We both like her, uh, my partner and I, because of her roles in BoJack Horseman and Glow, uh, Glow all Netflix stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, yeah, we'll give it a shot but it turned out to be like a really crazy, really psychedelic and surreal movie. So I wanted to give you as much as you needed to go watch it. Yeah. Grace and I had a discussion about this today where that like that alone was enough to get my endorsement. When yeah. you told me that, I was like, all right, we're going to watch this movie. <laughs> for sure. Allison Brie is crazy. Seems that way. Yeah, so it's just a it's a movie. Main character is Allison Brie. She lives like in a what looks like a relatively small town and has a you know fairly sad life of just has a menial job. Uh, lives with a roommate. Doesn't seem to have many strong relationships in her life other than that coworker from the beginning. We find out that she has like issues of sleepwalking and that other things just kind of seem off about her. And as the movie progresses, we find out that she. Her family and herself have had history of mental illness. Mm-hmm. More so, her family's had history of mental illness, and that that is starting to manifest in her. So she's mm-hmm. starting to kind of go spouting off conspiracy theories and losing her mind. Right. And without giving too much away, the movie 
in the way it's telling the story starts to parallel like her slow descent into madness. The movie mm -hmm. starts to make less sense as the world around Alison Brie starts to make less sense. Right. Right. So it does a very good job of letting the audience be a surrogate with or letting Alison Brie be the audience surrogate. Yeah, so what'd you think? It was it lived up to what you described. It is not what you think it would be uh, based nope. on the trailer or any of the artwork promotional material. It it definitely kind of paints itself, I think, in the first few minutes, maybe. Maybe like the first half or something as kind of a normal horror movie. You establish this like kind of lonely, troubled character at the uh -huh. top with just some kind of normal loneliness life problems. But then like the idea of mental illness starts to enter into the picture. And then I think when her symptoms start to get crazier, that's when like the tone of the movie like really switches over to experimental. Right. I mean, just like complete art house, crazy montage. I mean, that's the whole second half of the movie. It's like 30 minutes straight of just increasingly trippy scenes. Mm -hmm. I loved it though. Like I, <laughs> Grace is pretty like freaked out by it just because if you're trying to put yourself in the mindset of the main character and you were unfamiliar with what those types of feelings would feel like, which I would imagine would be most people who watch this movie, you're like, oh my God, like whatever is going on with this chick sounds terrifying. Yeah. Whether it's real or if it's all on her head, either way, it's a horrifying thing to emulate in your own mind. It, it, it is crazy to kind of play that game in your own mind. Like what if I had symptoms like this? Because I think everybody kind of believes that they would be able to identify themselves as being crazy or having delusions. Right. But the way that Alison Brie plays it, it just makes you realize like, no, I would just be as crazy as she. Right. You have no, you have no control, no perception. So do you, do you think that she is, uh, so I was reading a lot of stuff after I saw this, like on Reddit, Reddit discussions and fan theories about what's going on. Uh huh. Do you think that she is crazy or do you think aliens well the really fun part of me wants to say aliens uh -huh. like i really enjoy that as the possible narrative of this movie just because i don't know i think the movie is purposely ambiguous right mm -hmm. about definitely letting you know exactly what's going on but i mean that serves two purposes that makes it very unclear as to what is actually going on but if you were trying to do a a very realistic telling of what it's like to have some sort of mental illness with symptoms of hallucinations. Uh -huh. That is what it would look like. It's cool because it plays with, we as audience members will accept a movie about aliens. Mm -hmm. We accept things that can't be possible in our world. So while watching this movie, we're in a position of not knowing what re the reality of the story that we're watching is. Reminds me kind of of uh, Shutter Island. That's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, in yeah, I think in a far inferior fashion. But yes, absolutely. With that one, you're you don't really think he's crazy at all. Um, uh huh. Until the end, where you find out that he is, or at least I think that's like how it plays with most people. Right. So it comes as a big twist and shock at the end right. when you find out that he's been a patient here the whole time. Right. This one plays with the idea of whether or not she's crazy and gives you no payoff at the end. 
Right. I haven't done any reading about this at all, and that was sort of intentional to come into this podcast because I wanted to come in cold with my untainted opinions. That's good because I'm coming in hot. <laughs> I am interested to hear like what your conclusions are on this, but I think that ultimately, if I had to, if you put a gun in my head and told me that I have to pick whether it's real or whether it's hallucinated, I would say that it's hallucinated. But I think there's just enough there to keep my imagination going and let me believe that maybe, maybe there's actually some aliens or some weird stuff going on. And I think just really quick on the aliens thing, because I thought about this while I was watching the movie, if aliens existed and they had all the technology that we usually attribute to them, which is, you know, crazy fast travel, really advanced science some way to like wipe your memory if you have been abducted by them seems to be like a common thing in alien abduction movies they wipe your memory like yeah okay i i could believe that if aliens understood like the human brain like on a much deeper level than than we do then maybe yeah maybe they could totally just implant what appears to what appears to us to be like psychotic episodes but it's actually like memories of something that actually happened to a person. Yeah, sure. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Just they can, they would be able to manipulate our brain in a way that we can't even fathom. But right. that's a, that is a really unlikely thing that I think is going on in this movie. So yeah, I think it's probably, probably a hallucination, but there's just enough there to keep me guessing and keep me interested. She's definitely has, like assuming the aliens are real, and all of that is real, that she is her own grandmother and she gets abducted every night. Mm-hmm. She also is just definitely mentally ill on top of that. Like, even if that was the case. Why do you say that? If you if you took everything that she was saying as real, like, why would you say that? Because, like, some of the stuff that she attached herself to, like, like when she was looking up stuff online and found, like, conspiracy theory material and just, like, immediately attached herself to it yeah and she came up with that whole ritual by the end about how to protect herself and she had uh incense candles Uh and she had this thing about fabric that fabric needed to be everywhere Mm -hmm. like i don't think the aliens gave her that idea i i just think that that's yeah her mental instability Mm -hmm. the conspiracy theory stuff like really threw me when that came out for the first time Uh like was it the scene with the with the date with the boyfriend? Yeah, guy? in the graveyard. <laughs> specific. Oh my god. Where in I I feel like she's kind of portrayed as this normal person for like the mm-hmm. first third of the movie who mm-hmm. is just like starting to realize like she's losing time, I think is how she puts it, and she's sleepwalking and just stuff is getting really weird and scary for her. But somehow that transitions right into like governmental like conspiracy theories yeah and i and i feel like those two things do not need to be like in the same person in the same character you know what i mean it's like you do not need conspiracy theories to explain like some of the the mental illness stuff that's manifesting no i mean what to me that showed is that because it it explains why she thinks that like she just found it randomly on the internet uh-huh. And then just immediately believed everything that they said. Yeah. Because she's having these experiences that she can't explain. Like she thinks that uh, subjectively thinks that she's getting abducted and she has these dreams with these black 
alien people uh-huh. touching her. And yeah. so as soon as she finds anything on the internet talking about aliens, uh-huh. she's has no ability to discern bullshit yeah. from reality. Yeah, I guess so. And so like in many cases with when it comes to conspiracy theories, it's a product of mental health issues. Yeah. Maybe that's true. I don't know. It's just like this, like the line where she's like, who do you work for? I'm like, that just doesn't really seem to fit with the character. But that was the only time I felt like that. Everything. That's else, true. Everything else yeah. kind of added up. But yeah, I mean, I, so I kind of think after reading plenty of stuff about it, that the aliens are real. And there's a couple of like pieces of evidence, some more strong than others. Like obviously there's the claw marks. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's the literal dreams she has, which you can dismiss the dreams, of course, as dreams or hallucinations. Mm-hmm. The strongest piece of evidence is um, sort of earlier on in the movie, before they make a point of really showing her delusions, uh-huh. before it gets crazy, she has uh, one of the incidents where she wakes up in the middle of the nowhere. She wakes up by one of the payphones. Yeah. And they made a point of uh, showing that she started off that night and it was like, you know, 12.05 or something. And then she woke up by the payphone and she came back. And then it had a shot of the clock and it said like 12, uh, 10, 12, 15. Uh-huh. So implying that all that stuff had happened in like an unbelievably short amount of time. Right. So that's, so the implication there is that like she is actually time traveling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which she, um, is something that she's asserting a lot throughout the movie that these aliens kind of like pick her up and like drop her off in different times. Mm-hmm. Her whole thing by the end is that aliens abduct, abduct her and send her back in time, like to 60 years in the past where then she then becomes her own grandmother, you know, meets a man, gives birth to her mother mm-hmm. and then her mother gives birth to her. Mm-hmm. So this kind of time stuff is all, all a part of it. Right. So a real Philip J. Fry situation, being your own grandmother. I think he, he's his <laughs> own he, he's his own grandfather. Right, right. Really quick sidebar. Uh, this is not really on topic at all. But uh, when I was in college, I made a short film about time travel. Uh-huh. Do you ever see that? Do you remember that? Maybe. It's called Reminisce, and it was like the concept was that you could go to like an office to go like to time travel. For like vacation uh-huh it's like a travel agency but like for time travel i remember this actually and part of like the set decoration i had little like brochures like scattered throughout the waiting room set and one of them just said like how i didn't it didn't have any content inside it it was just like the front of a brochure and it said how to not be your own grandfather <laughs> <laughs> who made that you made them yeah i made that that's hilarious the scene where she wakes up in the in her hospital room uh-huh. next to like the other patient like that other patient seems to like very concretely like confirm some things about like what's real and what isn't yeah when when she says like how do you know about the ramp in the middle of the ocean yeah which was an imagery that i didn't pick up on initially it just looked like some sort of geometric shape yeah to me. it didn't appear to be a ramp but what i don't really get or maybe this is intentional, I guess, is there's not really any clear evidence that, like, that person is not fully hallucinated. Wait, say, say that again? There is no evidence that that person is not 
a hallucination. Do you know what I'm saying? There is evidence. We, 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 can, we as the audience cannot be sure that she is real. Oh, right, right. That the other patient is real. It's a fairly lucid moment in the movie, but by that point, I'm like... You can't trust anything yeah. that you see. Because initially when I saw that, I'm like, oh, like that's it. Like That confirms that there's something something up here was when that chick was like, how do you know about the ramp? Because uh-huh. that's, another, that's another person confirming all of the psychedelic shit that we've seen. However, though, in other seemingly sober parts of the movie, where like she's talking to her case manager, and he's like, yeah, I was your case manager like last week or something. And then she comes back later, and she said something like, oh, remember when you were my case manager? You said that you met me like a week ago. And like, I was confused about the time Uh and he was like, no, I didn't say that. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And now what you have said has made me see that scene a little bit, a little bit more differently. But in that moment, like that just seemed, you know, like she was confused, but it seemed like a very sober part of the movie. So all I'm getting at here is like the parts of the movie that seem like they could be real definitely could also not be. It's not, it's not very clear in telling you what's a hallucination, what isn't. Nope, nope. So the thing about that scene in particular is that people think that there was like a time jump in between the two different meetings with the caseworker. So that the first time that we as the audi- we as the audience are going through the timeline and Allison Brie as she's experiencing it, you know, where right. we'd be time jumping with her. Which is non-linear. Right. Supposedly. After you said that she's being dropped off in different times like that's what i thought of with that scene yeah i'm like oh we're just seeing like something that happened before Uh uh-huh and not after so the first time that we see her with the caseworker was actually her second time there but we have no memory of that Mm -hmm. and then with the second time they meet together is actually the first time and she's trying to recall all these memories right that didn't happen Along the same lines of just, like, seeing time in different ways. This is actually, now that I'm talking about it more, it reminds me a lot of Arrival. Like, just in themes, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they played around with timelines, didn't they? Yeah. The whole concept of that movie was that, you know, with different languages, in the real world, in different in different languages, it changes your perception of time. So, like, certain languages don't have, like, a sense of, like, past and present tense Mm -hmm. if i remember that correctly and so to put a sci-fi twist on that these aliens come down to earth from arrival and they have a special language that has no sense of time at all and so when you understand that language you are then able to like see all moments in time oh right right because these beings are like themselves outside of time in some way right one of the trippiest moments for me, and because it's pretty early on still, I think, is when um, it's after she appears in the fabric store nude, and then she's being consoled by her boss in the back room with like some fabric draped around her, mm-hmm. and the f- the phone rings, and she just is like hearing things in the phone like seconds before they actually happen. Yeah, just like really really fun to watch. It, yeah, that was pretty trippy. When that happened, I was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. This is so cool. (laughs) I was thinking about, like, if she was crazy, how would it be that that could be constructed by your mind? You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'd imagine that the reality of what happened is that she's like listening to this dialogue that's occurring. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, she's like repeating what they say. And then she tricks herself into thinking she said it beforehand. Yeah. It is an interesting exercise to see like how you could conceivably hallucinate some of the things that are happening. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm planning on going crazy next week. So it's a real like good tutorial video. What's interesting about this movie, and it, I'm still not super clear on it, so maybe you can help me out with this, is the title Horse Girl, you know, it seems to allude to her weird infatuation with this one particular horse Yeah, that's stabled in the town that she lives in, and she has some sort of long-term relationship with this horse. She seems to have some sort of experience in writing, but... I don't really understand the significance that that brings to the plot, (laughs) her relationship with that horse. Yeah, me neither. What do you think of when you hear the term horse girl? I think of someone who has like a strange infatuation with horses. Yeah. Typically, typically young, a young female. Just way too into horses. Yeah. I think it's just like a phase, you know, it's like phase that a lot of kids go through. Mm -hmm. And I think it's similar, you know, in our realm it's like if you're super into like action figures and and costuming (laughs) dressing up and stuff like into your 30s like that's considered a little like socially taboo Mm -hmm. just as like if you're really like fucking into horses in your 30s that's probably perceived a little strange too Mm -hmm. i used to have horses when i was when i was younger no kidding yeah my dad used to have them that's cool yeah i don't really understand if like the horse girl thing as the title and just how it is portrayed in the movie is just to establish her as like kind of a weirdo Uh or if there's something deeper going on there that I just don't that I'm not picking up on I'm not sure but it does do a couple of things because the very beginning of the movie kind of like starts out or like one of the first scenes is her at the stable ranch and it seems like she's instructing this young girl on how to ride Mm -hmm. the horse and so then you almost think like oh she's working there She's a horse girl because she loves horses and she works at a horse ranch. For a minute, you think she works. For there, a minute, totally. you think that you're like, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. And then that uh, melts into her just being a weird horse girl again, who just like hangs out at the stable that she is clearly not very welcome at. Yeah, a, yeah, a lot. I was, I really thought about that while I was watching the movie. I'm like, why are the people at the horse stable treating her so weird? They obviously are annoyed by her they don't want her to be there but they're not telling her to leave and stuff so i i thought she had mental problems initially yeah maybe that's it i kind of took the stable people stable keepers the farmers horse keepers whatever you call them um i kind of took their behavior towards what's the girl's name sarah their behavior towards Mm -hmm. sarah to just be like just trying to be nice but like what can you do in that situation it's like this this person hasn't like done anything me- wrong or mean to us, but she's just annoying. So how do you tell her to leave politely? I got the impression that she's been doing it for so long that uh, under normal circumstances, they would have had like a talking with her by then. Maybe they're just non-confrontational. When we found out that, they're, that her mom died, I thought maybe that explained it, that they were going mm. easy on her because her mom died okay yeah but i'm not sure i rewatched it after i watched it just to, like pick up on all the things i missed maybe we should do that too now i i kind of thought that maybe to the people around her 
that she comes off as actually mentally unhinged Mm -hmm. more than we realized early on. Yeah, maybe. And so these people are just kind of like trying to be chill around this sensitive person. Yeah, maybe. I kind of thought about that a little bit where, you know, maybe she just is mentally unstable, like, and has been the whole time. But her roommate then doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like, a seemingly, like, normal, healthy, super, you know, as healthy as it can be relationship with a roommate. Yeah. Who seems to have a normal social life. Right, right. So I don't really understand. If she was as fucked up as uh, she ends up being in the end, how that relationship would have even started. Right. And it's not clear at all what their relationship is other than roommates. Right. I don't really understand, like, how that happened i kept thinking about that yeah (laughs) like how did these people like end up being roommates together how old are they do you think 30s allison brie is like in her 30s for sure and i think that's you know what her character is supposed to be and like her real life age also yeah but her roommate seemed like a bit younger yeah maybe maybe late 20s yeah early 30s that wasn't clear to me at all do you want to talk about the the party scene like near the first third of the movie. Yes. I want to put a pin in that though. Cause I want to talk about one other thing since we were talking about the stable people a second ago uh-huh. in the third act of the movie, once shit really hits the fan and she goes on her like long hallucination bender uh-huh. for a little while there. There's a part of that where she goes to the stable. Yeah. And you know, that whole sequence, it's tough to tell what's real and what isn't. It's really dream sequency at this point. Yeah. That, though, the portion where she's at the stable, like, I was really, like, torn as to, like, what, is this real or not? And it was all based on, like, the the main guy, like, the farmer or whatever he is, like, his reaction and treatment of her. Uh-huh. Like, he seemed somewhat normal when he discovered her out there. He's like, what are you doing here? And then there was, like, this few second period where he got, like, really close to her and in her face and like didn't say anything uh-huh and he's like got this extremely like menacing look on his face right right and then he's like get out of here get out of here and then he's like yelling like yeah 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 <laughs> like oh, he get now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is what he says but i was like oh my god like what is happening or not that that confused me so much like i thought i had a pretty good grip on I'm like, okay, this is definitely a dream sequence. And then she got to the stable and that guy showed up. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it's not. This guy seems real. And then he started acting crazy. And I'm like, I actually don't know what's happening. Yeah. I I do not know what's real at all. And then that's like either followed or preceded by a sex sequence, which like troubles me that she might have like either been raped. Having sex with someone in real life. Yeah, yeah. Which in that state, I could only assume was like not good. And who knows who that was? Because she was imagining it as like the the actor from her TV, from her like shit television series that she likes to yeah. watch. Yeah, I love that television series. Purgatory. Purgatory is the name. Is the name of the fake TV show. It seems like a very real uh, type of drama that you would find on like a cable <laughs> cable network. It was like, uh, what do you call those kinds of things? Like detective drama scythe it's it, it feels a lot like it, it feels a lot like supernatural or like buffy the vampire slayer yeah so, yeah something like that like early 2000s 
kind of sci-fi religious based murder mystery stuff <laughs> i really empathized when uh the scenes of her watching that in her living room and then her roommate and boyfriend walk in and they're just like how can you not have anything going on in your life what kind of loser are you watching your television show they weren't that mean about it i actually was commending those two or at least the the roommate early on in the movie Uh because they were they were like we're dropping our plans and we're gonna like do like a small birthday celebration for our friend let's get into that birthday celebration because that's one of the funniest parts of the whole movie the boyfriend's rapping oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i forgot all about that and the whole exchange about like a baker's dozen right the beginning of when the party actually kicks into gear is like him being like this is the third track now there are 12 tracks total or something like that it's a concept album that was a character that was definitely inspired by somebody that yeah some of, one of the filmmakers knew it's too specific someone that you went to undergrad with yeah like a real person that you and i know is who that reminds me of mm-hmm shout out (laughs) anonymous but i just i love it like uh baker's dozen it's got 12 tracks it's a concept album it's like (laughs) no a baker's dozen is uh 13 i love how like the boyfriend is very apprehensive about this whole like four person birthday thing in the beginning but as soon as he gets to be like the dj he's like super into it Uh uh-huh and he's like rapping and there's like there's a really like intentional shot, like a cl- a zoom in close up of him where he's just like rapping for like an uncomfortable amount of time. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's he's just like on screen for like a beat too long, and it's just very intentional. It feels intentional in the edit. But then he's not a major character at all later. No. Which is kind of make made it feel out of place. That is like the funniest part of the movie. It almost and because it's so early, it all it makes you think that movie is going to be a lot funnier. Yeah, I thought it was going to be all about like this shy girl uh, coming out of her shell, finding a nice boyfriend, and then everything works out hunky dory. That is not what happened though. Nope. Man, that scene where she like shows up in the the fabric store naked was crazy. <laughs> you imagine just like all of a sudden you're in this. You're in a public place, completely naked, and totally confused about where you are. You don't have to ask me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my that's every weekend. That's my me. mo. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it would be funny if that was your mo specifically with like fabric stores. It's like Hobby Lobby. What's uh yeah? <laughs> what's a good fabric store? Michael's. Hobby Lobby is Michael's, Michael's doing that kind is, of stuff. Yeah. The fabric what if, section. What if we of, just like, start getting like really into it? It's like, well, Michaels is more like diverse selection, kind <laughs> of just crafts in general. But if you really want to get good fabrics, dude, I'll, I'll get my mom on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she's got, she's got, she's got some opinions about this for sure. Hey, cat. Oh man, I've never called my mom cat, but that's totally something you could call her. Kathy. Yeah, Kathy. Let's give a quick shout out to Trevor's, <laughs> Trevor's mom. <laughs> What's up, mom? Ah, where were we? I got lost my track. The fabric store scene. Oh, yeah. That scene is confusing, the way that it transitions into it, if you remember. It's uh, the shower. She's in a shower and immediately yeah. steps out of the store, which I think is like, uh, I don't think there's a shower in the fabric stores. I think that was just a... Maybe you can answer this since it, since you watched it twice. 
but I think some kind of tell about like what's real and what isn't would be there if her hair was still wet and was it do you know I think it was as far as I remember you hear what I'm saying though like if her hair was wet that would have to imply some sort of time travel but if it I mean it looks kind of wet to me it kind of looks like if you've been out of the shower for like 20 minutes yeah well that's enough time to conceivably say she stepped out of the shower and then walked to the oh i see what you mean yeah at walk to the fabric store. if she really did get time picked up from her shower to the place it would be like she would be soaking still. yeah yeah but if she's not then there's enough doubt there to rule that out as anything right and i'm looking at it now i haven't pulled up and it's definitely her house's apartment's shower yeah right at first, I was. Yeah, I, I think it's just like the. It's just like an illustration of her like losing time there. Okay, I was talking to yeah. Stacy. I'm like, would these places have showers for their employees? I mean, I don't know. I did think of that very briefly, that like, oh, maybe that's like a back shower, like employee shower or something. But my immediate following thought was like, why would why would a fabric store have that? Mm-hmm. Of all stores. <laughs> Did you pick up on the, um, th- there's shots from the beginning of the movie that come up again throughout the movie. In particular, like some shots of fabric. There's this one shot at the beginning where they pull this blue fabric. Yeah. It's the first shot, I believe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they use it for the sky. But there's this one shot from the beginning that I'm wondering if you picked up on. So the shot, I'm going to try to lead you here because I don't know if you did notice it or not. But when we first get into the movie... It's her working at the fabric store with her coworker, mm-hmm. and then there's a brief shot of a, a she glances the coworker glances out the window and sees something out of the corner of her eye, and then at the very end of the movie, we see the same thing again, which kind of implies so it, it seems like you didn't pick up on that. I know what you're talking about at the end, but I didn't know that that was replicated at the beginning. You want me to show you? Yes. This is a great one. This is a great one, like in argument for the time traveling uh, theory. I'm, I'm very excited to see this. There it was. What? Wait, I, didn't, I missed it. I don't know. I just found it. Whoa. Huh? Yeah. So that's her okay. at the end. She steals the horse, and we see that exact same thing again. Yeah, oh. dude, that's her. That's her right there. Dun, dun, dun. That's Sarah right there. Oh my God. Yeah, dude, I, I I feel like that's irrefutable right there. That has to be, right? I I think so. Yeah. That's undeniable evidence that this is beyond mental illness. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Whoa. Man, you just blew my mind with that. <laughs> <laughs> what do we how do we explain this to our listeners here? Okay. So the very first scene in the movie is Allison Bree and her co worker. And then there's a very quick shot of the co-worker notices something out the window of the store and glances over, and we see the tail end of a horse. Just walking by. Just walking by and then quickly out of her eyesight. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to horse girl. Did you notice the beginning one, or did you forget about no. it? No. I guess I just forgot about it. The ending, I definitely remembered, but maybe I was still just like trying to figure out what this movie was all about. I, re- First time I remember I the beginning it. because it then cut to the title card, Horse Girl. And I'm like, oh, I think I just saw part of a horse. So that makes sense. Okay. Movie's on yeah. track to, mm-hmm. to hit all the themes. 
I think the first few minutes, you know, if I'm watching a movie at home, it falls within this like period of still making sure I have all my snacks and that I've gone to the bathroom <laughs> and then I'm properly comfortable. You know? Yeah, yeah. You'll definitely miss it if you're not looking for it. Right. But then this shot, basically, we, we see the reconstruction of this shot again at the end of the movie after she is accepted that she is, in fact, her own grandmother and that her destiny is to go back in time to fill out that role. She takes the horse from the stable and walks it around town. And as she's passing through her workplace, the co-worker again notices her, looks out the window. And then we see her looking and we see Allison Brie in her uniform inside the store. So she's simultaneously walking the horse and in the store. Uh And I think because we see that at the beginning and at the end, where the beginning very much establishes itself as reality. Uh And by the end of the movie, you know, it's, it's hard to trust anything. But it being a callback to the earlier part of the movie, it seems to be that like that is the movie being very clear uh-huh. about this being being real. That is a good point that like as mm-hmm. the movie progresses, you trust what you see less and less, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where you're like the very lucid shot and scene of her with that other girl in the sub pop T-shirt. You're like, well, that whole thing could be made up. Right. But the very first scene should be the strongest piece of evidence in our minds to hold as as true right yeah dude. Right. so aliens yeah man wow you believe that C- case fucking closed it's aliens wow i like came into this podcast being like yeah it's probably a hallucination and now i'm like i'm 100 percent in the aliens camp isn't that cool that it can do that to you it can make yeah. you so sure of one way versus the other yeah i like that i now want to watch it again mm-hmm. start to finish would you recommend that worth it i think so yeah okay really quick we haven't talked about the plumber because those two people like in her dream are significant characters for different reasons but the plumber doesn't really make sense to me right i mean so so what do you make of them i mean if you think all that stuff is real then you think that she really did get abducted and the other two people that she sees in her abductions also got abducted but they just don't remember uh-huh. and, and her for some special reason is able to remember these abductions i'm curious like in this scene right here that we're watching this is when she wakes up by the payphone a way that i suppose you could interpret that is um <laughs> this sounds so dumb but her gown her like nightgown is like on backwards oh uh, yeah and it just seems like you know the movie doesn't really draw that much attention to it but if you accept the theory that these are aliens and this is pretty this is this is pretty weak regardless but it's fun to think that evidence for it actually being aliens is that they just didn't know how to put it back on you know what i'm saying yeah they're just like like we don't understand earthling clothing this this appears to be correct yeah but to that same end if they're smart enough to do everything else like why couldn't they just fucking pay attention to that so the aliens don't really seem to have don't really seem to be very realistic i mean they're almost like supernatural more than anything there's no logic behind what they do right and i think that that's what totally like makes me believe that it was all hallucinated yeah for the whole movie i'm like there's nothing like believable about these aliens there's no reason or motivation they said they should be there so some real 2001 vibes out of this yeah, I thought that too. Like the monolith 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The ramp in the, the ocean. Their monolith has different dimensions. So it's original. Right. And it's not at an angle. <laughs> it's like the like copyright law where it's like it's just different enough to be like legally safe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's at a 45 degree angle and it's glowing and it's like half the depth. So no copyright infringement on the monolith. Yeah, we're good to go. They copyrighted a geometric shape. There's just like the lawyer for Stanley Kubrick's estate is just like in the editing room, just like measuring like the 3D model. <laughs> With a tape measure like on the computer screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The significance of the girl who was injured like on her horse ride and now seems to have some sort of mental illness of her own and is like disabled in some way yeah, physically. Yeah. Well, she seems to have like actual brain damage. Yeah, yeah, right. Her relationship with Sarah seems to be a, I don't know, like a mentor-mentee. Maybe they knew each other like prior to that accident. But they, again, t- to the point of some of the other things I brought up with the horse specifically, I don't understand what it's doing like for the plot. It, it almost seems like a little bit of misdirection because you think that the movie is going to be about things that it ends up not being about like you could almost say the same thing about the boyfriend that she courts for some time that didn't have to happen it was just it did serve more plot because it her freaking out on him was something that led to her losing her mind even further yeah i felt like that helped like establish her is very disparate from the people around her yeah because in the beginning he's this very like sympathetic character and i think you know she obviously sees him as someone to confide in and i think it also kind of mutes her craziness a little bit Mm -hmm. in the beginning but as she starts to freak out it becomes very clear that like oh no she is the only one yeah dealing with this but i think honestly the reason that her friend was there is to just give some justification to the title of the film and it's the central place that this horse seems to take place in the movie mm-hmm. because her friend and her seem to learn to ride the horses when they were younger you t- you saying her f- the friend with brain damage yeah yeah the friend with brain damage and her when they were younger uh, hung out at this horse stable and rode these horses and i think it's probably made the final cut just because it reinforces her connection to the horse but why you know (laughs) because they already they they started with the title horse girl they're like that's you know like i kept trying to connect the dots with the horse like trying to figure out like does the horse represent something is the horse an alien (laughs) is the horse is the horse her grandma you know uh, just trying anything and like none of it seemed to fit no so i don't i still don't understand what the point of the whole horse narrative is no i spent zero time trying to figure out the horse thing and it's the title of the movie maybe you're right maybe it is just misdirection, misdirection. i think so and like if that's the case then like mission accomplished because that movie seems to have nothing to do with that and similar to what we talked about in the beginning where it appeared to be some sort of psycho thriller movie Uh from the trailer and the title and none of that is true right right so why i don't know as someone who you like want people to watch your movie like why would you do that (laughs) i don't know but it's it's interesting that 
this seems to be something that happens on Netflix more often than in real life, that you have this piece of work that is completely misrepresented to the potential viewers Mm -hmm. to the effect of making them confused so that when they get the real thing, it's a little bit of whiplash. Yeah. I suppose that's intentional. And maybe like that juxtaposition will happen with more people for that reason. Uh But for me specifically, and maybe this is the same for you, it it completely shuts me off to watching it in the first place at all. Right, right. Like I would not... Because I believed it was a certain thing, I gave it uh, no time of day. But I did happen to watch it, and so the effect paid off really well for me, where I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. this surrealist art house film. So when I did get mm-hmm. it, I came, it, it came at me from a completely pure, no expectation state. That's which, that's really cool. Which is a way I think like we should try to be watching our movies. Yeah, this is probably a good lesson to you know whatever the equivalent of not judging a book by its cover for movies because once in a while you will get a you will get a humdinger like this one where you are you are watching it for completely pure reasons and it pay it pays you as a patient film viewer well i don't know if i would characterize myself as patient i just didn't look up anything about it at all because i didn't care because i didn't think it was like worth looking into uh-huh. It just barely made it over the hurdle of something that seemed like we would enjoy in our household. But once I made it over that hurdle, oh, whammy. <laughs> uh, so what would you give the movie for a rating overall? I would give this um, a nine egg beater fingers out of ten. I, I say that because I feel like the alien's fingers look like egg beaters. Oh, I love the way they're like animated or... They're just like fucking. It's like what a. It's like what an electronic egg beater looks like. It's just this like spinning, vibrating, like wiry <laughs> claw. But yeah, I think overall, I'd give this movie a really high score too. I think I'll also do nine nine horses out of ten. Nine horses, yeah. Yeah, we agree on that. Good unit. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look him up at underscore W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Editing this week was done neither by Trevor or I. No. It was done by done by Grace Fawcett. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. Tweet us at, at filmholepod on Twitter. Thanks again. See you next week.